Welcome to Chase Oaks. We are so glad that you're here this weekend, wherever you're watching from or joining us in person. We are wrapping up a series on Proverbs of week one. We, we talked about how wise people, like they're actually looking for input, how the wise can, can get wiser. Then we looked at uh, blind spots and how we can trust the Lord. Last week we, we looked at uh, one of my favorite messages, my stupid mouth. Let me just tell you why. It's very important for me. My mouth gets me in trouble very often. And so that one was particularly like written just for me. And yet people continue to give me a microphone. I don't know why. Nevertheless, I uh, love that message. And um, today uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, sort of the, the closing chapters of, of Proverbs. And, and I want to start with this one in Proverbs 27, verse 12. It says, The prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty, suffer for it. Proverbs is a, a, an instruction manual, if you will, written to his son to say, hey, this is how I want you to live. Okay, I'm one of the wisest men to ever live, and, and I want to give you some instructions. And he's going, hey, let me just tell you what happens with prudent people. When they see danger, what they decide to do is they say, we, we should take cover. When they see a tornado, they run the other direction. They don't pull out their camera phones and go, well, what's this look like? Like, that's not... That's not them. He's going, hey, what prudent people do really well is they pay attention to the caution signs. I mean, do you just think about the different caution signs that you and I may see? Like, have you ever seen do not enter, wrong way? You see this sign, and you think, I'm not going down there. But there are some people that are just going, but I'm kind of curious. What's down there? Let, 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 let me go down that way. And you're going to get hit by a truck when you do, okay? That's what's going to happen. Um, I used to see uh, the beware of the dog sign in my neighborhood growing up. I'm like, listen, I'm already aware of your dog, okay? Just know that. Like, I don't need the sign. I heard the dog. I am very aware. Um, I, I saw this sign when I was in Florida one time, and I couldn't believe it. It says, um, alligators, no swimming. And I just thought to myself, who is this sign for, Okay. What people in their right mind see the alligators and think, hey, babe, let's hop in. Like, I don't know who these people are. Or I, I saw this one, too. It says, do not feed the alligators. And I thought, who, 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 who has this on their bucket list? Who, who needs this? Sign? Who in their right mind is thinking, you know what, one day I just, I just want to feed alligators. No, that alligator going to eat you and your bucket list, okay? Trust me, that's not going to go well for you. Uh, my son, he went to the zoo, and, and one of the chaperones, uh, they showed us this picture, and, and, and it says this. It says, um, if do not uh, sit, feed, or climb on this fence, otherwise these animals will eat you and they'll get sick. And I just thought, what a wise sign. You know what I mean? Like, you should be paying attention to this sign. Here's what's interesting about caution signs in my life and in yours. We can see them clearly in other people's lives. I mean, we, every single one of us right now has at least one person in our life that we're watching. It's like we're watching their life on Netflix and we're just going, you, you, you don't see the signs? Go. You're about to get hit by a truck. You're going the wrong way. And we can clearly see it in somebody else's marriage. We can clearly see when someone else is making terrible financial decisions. We can clearly see when people are making bad relational decisions. But it's very, very difficult to see danger in our own life. Are you paying attention to the signs? Today, I, I want to unpack 
the last part of Proverbs to help us really avoid making bad decisions. Because sometimes we've ignored so many caution signs that we find ourselves arriving at a destination that we don't like. And we get there and we begin to ask ourselves this question. How in the world did I get here? How in the world did my marriage get here? How in the world did I get to this place in my career? And it was clear to everyone else how you got there, but it was hard for us to see. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at Proverbs 31 to see how, A, we could avoid making some bad decisions, avoid getting on the wrong path. And secondly, I want to deliver some hope for some people that have already made some bad decisions and you want to turn some things around. Now, Proverbs 31 is one of those chapters in the Bible that already is infamous in Christendom. In the church, people kind of assume they already know what Proverbs 31 is about. It's kind of like learning about the story of David and Goliath. David wins every single time. There, there, there's, there's no remix of that story, okay? It's like Lazarus always comes out of the grave. He doesn't like stay an extra day in some of the stories. Like it's kind of always the same. And so sometimes when we approach certain scriptures, we can kind of assume that we know what it's about, and that's why I, for me, the, one of the ways that I just approach scripture is, is pretty simplistic. I just like reading it, and I just pretend like I don't know what's about to happen, and when I do that, when I posture myself that way, I, I often find hidden gems, things that I just, I didn't see on the onset because I'm just looking at it from a brand new perspective, and so Proverbs 31 historically in the church has been about the ideal Christian woman. You want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. But upon reading Proverbs 31, well, the, the, the first nine verses aren't about being a Proverbs 31 woman at all. In fact, Proverbs 31, uh, it starts off with this. It says, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So, um... King Lemuel, scholars believe, is a nickname for Solomon. He's talking about his mother. His mother is Bathsheba. Bathsheba is the woman that David committed adultery with. Bathsheba is one of the most infamous women in all of Scripture. She's the Monica Lewinsky of the Bible. Okay, like she is this known mistress, this thing. It's just like, whoa, like she almost gets a bad rap, which is actually good news for us. Because Proverbs 31 is, is, is King Lemuel, scholars believe, going, hey, this is what mama taught him. This was an oracle that she said, hey, hey, if, if we could pull Bathsheba on the stage for just a moment, like what would she say to her son? Today's message is called Mama Knows Best. Because I think mama's going to teach her son something and he was trying to pass that down to what essentially is her her grandson, and, and she says this in verse 2. This is what she's saying to her son. Okay, just imagine Bathsheba sitting down with the wisest man ever lived. She's going, son, let me just talk to you for a second. First thing she says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Every parent, every mama has had that moment with their child. What are you doing? What are you doing? And she just starts off going, as a king, I, I know you're big, bad, and tough. I know you're the guy, but what are you doing? What are you doing, my son? What, what are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? And then she just gets right, right into it. She says, do not give your strength to women, 
your ways to those who destroy kings. <laughs> it's like Bathsheba. She's pulling her son real close. Going, hey, here's the deal. I love your dad. But I watched the king when he was supposed to be at war. I watched him give away his strength to women. You're a king. If I'm you, I wouldn't do that if I were you. That's Proverbs 31. She's going, hey, hey, son, do not give your strength to women, which is a very, very tough message for a guy in his position. And then she says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. She's going, <laughs> my son, my son, leverage your resources Leverage your kingship. Leverage your influence for the good of the community. This is why you're king. This is why you have influence. This is why you live in that neighborhood. This is why you own the company. This is why you're a leader in the company. This is why you're a manager. This is why you're a teacher. You have been put in a position of influence to leverage it for the good of the community. So she's not going, hey, hey, hey. You, you shouldn't be drinking. She's going, no, no, no. If you've been given that amount of wine as a king, you should be used to help other people. Mama knows best. And just imagine. Imagine if Solomon had listened to his mama. Because what we know is later on in 1 Kings, he did the exact opposite of what, he, of what mama told him to do. This is what it says. It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women. The movie's already starting real bad for you, buddy. This is not going to be good. And then, the writer of 1 Kings doesn't just make it vague. You know, he likes many foreign women. He goes on to name them. It says, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their God. And probably the saddest line in Solomon's life, Solomon clung to these in love. How many friends have we had? That we say, hey, I don't know about him, I don't know about her. And they say, but I'm in love. Scripture says he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For any man listening to this and thinks this would be awesome, let's unpack that for just a minute. Okay, so 700 wives. Let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it for just a minute. I got one. only plan on having one. Okay, if I only ever had one, trying to stick with that, all right. Um, just imagine whatever, whatever, whatever tension or stress you may ever, ever have in your marriage, okay? Just, just, just whatever that is, good, bad, indifferent, could be crazy, could be toxic, whatever, okay? I just want you to multiply that by 700. 
So what you think about that? But for anybody that thinks, oh man, that'd be awesome, that'd be awesome. Are you sure that would be awesome? Think about it like this. Every day is your anniversary. Every day. Every day. And every day you forgot that it was your anniversary. Christmas is bananas. Somebody's mad at you on Thanksgiving every single year. Pillow talk is never ending. Just when you're falling asleep, one of them going to walk in and go, Psst, you forgot my birthday. You're like, what? Are you serious? Just the 700. Not to mention the kids that come with these wives. You're meeting a new child every day. You got a 13-year-old year walking up to you talking about some, hey, dad. You're talking about some, who are you? I'm your son. From which who? You know what? You look like, oh, what's her name? What's her, you, if you ain't good with names, how are you going to remember 700? And we hadn't even got to the 300 concubines that you got to explain to all 700. I mean, the, the, it, it's, it's a lot. And, and, here, and here's the deal. I mean, the saddest part is that not that he's got a management problem. That, that's mathematically he's in trouble. He's got enough money. He's good on that piece. What he didn't see coming, what was going to happen to his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So, so Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. I think Solomon was in just one of those positions where he's kind of like, I got this. But then one wife at a time. Come on, babe, just buy something for me. Come on, take me to the mall. Come on, just buy it. Come on, sacrifice this to the God. Okay, 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 okay. And then one day. He wakes up, and he's got a thousand women to please. And now his heart is so far away from God, he doesn't even know how he got there. We know how Solomon got there. One wife at a time. One wedding at a time. One concubine at a time. The enemy of wisdom isn't stupidity. It's rationalization. It's, oh, I mean, it's, come on, it's not that big of a deal. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Zero money down. Come on. Like, come on, really. Like, you can't beat this deal. Come on. I don't have to pay anything for three months. It's going to be great. I mean, the, just this whole idea of, I can tell you how many, hey, it seems like he might have some anger issues, but he's charming. But he might be abusive. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to throw any men under the bus, but nine times out of ten, whenever a single guy comes to me and tells me they're dating, this is what they do. They pull out their phones and say, look, she's hot, right? 
I go, I, I, anything else you want to share? Yeah, I'm trying to like be the dating police. Like, can I ask you a question? Is she a Christian? Oh, I mean, she goes to church sometimes, but she's hot, right? I'm like, I know a lot of married people. Not one has ever said, I was going to fight her, but man, you know, she's hot. So just, let's just drop it. Like, I don't know. I, I've never seen good looks solve any argument. I've never seen it happen. It's just me. But sometimes what can happen is you can just rationalize. You can rationalize bad behavior at work and just go, well, man, people have been doing it here at work for forever, right? I mean, it's just kind of what everybody does. It's just, it's just the industry, right? And it's just, it's just how, how, it, how it is. And one day, you wake up at work, and you don't have any integrity. And you're going, how in the world did I get here? I used to be an honest person. You, you got there fudging one number at a time, lowering your standards, one decision at a time, which I think is good news. The reason I think it's good news is because if we know how we got to a destination we don't want to be, we got there one step at a time, well, then we know the way back. That's the good news. We know how to get back to a place we actually want to be. One Step at a time. Like, what, what I want you to do this weekend is if you want different results than, than what you've been getting from your life, you have to, well, you have to get on a better path. And getting on a better path first requires self-awareness. It requires self-awareness. Um, there's nothing worse than somebody um, that needs to get on a better path that doesn't think that they need to get on a better path. Like, this idea of, I got this, I'm good, we're 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 good. I mean, like, if I were to ask, hey, how many of you, your marriages could, could use some improvement? We go, oh, yeah, 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 I could use a little improvement, I could use, use a little tune-up. But if I said, how many of your marriages need improvement? We're like, well, I don't want to raise my hand in front of her. Like, are you serious? Like, right now, like, it gets a little weird. Like, are you trying to say, I'm, I need it? Well, I didn't say need, I just say to be, I mean, I'm sure we're not perfect. But we have to have enough self-awareness to go, I need help. And some people just aren't willing to say those words out loud because it feels embarrassing. It feels like, well, I guess I didn't have it. Hey, sometimes we might have to admit, hey, I made some bad financial decisions. I made some bad friendship decisions. I made some bad career decisions. But if we're not willing to admit where we are, we cannot get to where we actually want to be. So if you find yourself having made some poor decisions, if you found yourself not listening to mama and you have woken up and you have arrived at a place that you don't want to be, getting on a better path begins with self-awareness and being honest about where you really are. I can tell you how many married couples I sit with and I say, how are things going? Are you fighting? They're like, no, 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 we're not fighting. We're having Intense dialogue. Okay, you're fighting. Why, what's wrong with you? Just say you're fighting. What's, no, 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 no. My, my parents fought. We don't fight. We have engaged conversations. And it's like we're trying to use all of these other words. It's just like, no, hey, we're, we're fighting. It's, it's been a tough season. It's a tough pandemic. One of you lost your job. Your kids are sick. You had COVID. There's all sorts of things. But until we're honest about where we're at, we can't invite God to take us where. We need to go. Getting on a better path doesn't just require self-awareness. Getting on a better path requires action. 
requires you to do something. You could have been in a place in your life where you have amassed a crazy amount of debt. Maybe you recently went through a divorce. Maybe you're addicted to porn. Maybe you can't stop drinking. or You just find yourself you're constantly searching for jobs or can't get one. Life hasn't dealt you a, a great deck of cards. However you, however you want to look at it. But when you find yourself in that position, one of the lies that you can believe is, well, I'm too far gone. I messed things up. But what I want to encourage you with is simply this. If you want to start making better decisions, start by making one. Start by making one. I mean, some of us get discouraged looking at the journey, how far back we got to go because we just messed things up. And we think, for me to get all the way back, how am I ever going to make that journey the same way you got here? One decision. So start making one better decision. You know what some people are doing this weekend? They're making one good decision to get baptized. To say, you know what? I'm not perfect. They didn't turn into pastors when they came out of the water. Okay, they didn't turn into a priest. Like, that didn't happen. No, but what they do? They make one good decision. And hoping that it snowballs. For some of you, it's like, man, I know I need to start eating healthy, but it just seems like the healthy people are way over there. Just, hey, your next meal, salad. Just your next meal. I didn't say do Whole30. I didn't say, I didn't say, at, no, no, no. I, I didn't say change your whole diet. I, I didn't say that. I just said, hey, just make one good decision. You might say, oh, man, I need to start exercising. Okay, that's great. Yeah, just go for a walk. Don't run a marathon. You're like, I, my friends are running marathons. They're triathletes. And me, I'm over here. So it's like, no, no, no. Make one good Man, I'm not the spiritual leader of my home, man. And I, I hear about these dads and they're like reading the Bible and studying the Bible with their kids and praying over their wife and like washing them in the Word. I don't even know what that means, but I heard it one day. And like, like they're just they're just awesome, like Christian dude. And I'm just like I'm just way over here. Hey, just one, one decision. Make one decision to say, you know what? Before we go to sleep, family, I'm just gonna pray over everybody. They're gonna be like you. We've never even heard you pray out loud, Dad. What happened to you? You're just gonna get, hey, I'm I'm making one good decision. That's what I'm doing. You go, dude, I don't know how to pray, man. I, I'm, like, I'm not one of those super Christians, man. Just imagine. If you just say, oh, Lord, would you look over our home? And may you be the thing that holds us together. And may we sleep incredibly well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I mean, just imagine. If you made one, just one good decision. I think, I think sometimes we're intimidated by the whole journey that we don't even want to take even just the next step. I think sometimes there could be, for a lot of people, man, they, some, just, just think about some of the relationships that are too far gone. And, and, and how do we get so much space between us? we got so much space between us. One smart remark at a time. One decision at a time. One phone call at a time. Man, I just, you know what breaks my heart? It's the amount of people that aren't speaking to each other, that are related. Parents, children, siblings. Haven't spoken to each other in years. I just, I talk to my brothers three or four times a day. I just can't imagine not speaking to them for years. I just think, man, whatever, whatever happened, I would just, and you go, Ryan, you, you don't understand the history that we have. Yeah, I, I still would encourage you to make one good decision. 
Yeah, one good decision. I was, I was speaking at a, at a corporate event the other day, and they actually asked me to come and talk about forgiveness. I was like, what? You want me to come talk about forgiveness? They go, yeah, our leaders, <laughs> they can't forgive each other to save their life. I'm like, okay, I guess. You know you're going to need Jesus to do that. Okay, whatever, I'll come. Yeah, let's do this. And so, so we start talking about forgiveness. And, and at the end, all these corporate executives, they surround me. And they each start going around in a circle and telling me, each person, that they needed to forgive. Never seen anything like it. Couldn't believe it. And we get to, to this, this one lady, and she just, she says, uh, Ryan, I haven't spoken to my sister in two years. And this is, and I'm not making this up. This is what I asked her. I said, can I ask you, what happened? She said, Ryan, that's the sad part. I don't remember. That's how long it's been. I was like, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, what was the thing? And it's just, we, we just got so far apart. I, I go, I think you should call her. She's like, I don't know. I said, I think you should do it right now. She said, and say what? I said, do you miss her? She said, like crazy. I said, start there. Start with one phone call. Hey, sis. I was at this event today, and this guy started talking about forgiveness, and I thought of you, and I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I went wrong, where you went. I don't, I don't want to play the blame game, but I miss you like crazy. Just let it be. That's, that's one. It's one good decision. If you want to get on a better path, you're, you're going to have to start making one good decision at a time. Getting on a better path also requires surrender. The common denominator of really spiritual people isn't that they pray more than you. The, the common denominator of really spiritual people isn't that they don't listen to secular music and they just listen to worship music and they just walk around their house all day long singing songs. That's, that's not the common denominator of spiritual people. It's not that they know more Bible verses than you. It's not that they attend church more than you. The common denominator of really spiritual people is that they have simply been willing to surrender parts of their life that most of us aren't willing to let go of. They got to a place where they wanted to hold on to something and they just went, man, you can have that. I really want to hold on to this relationship because it feels like it's all I have and I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I just, the really spiritual people, the people that have really grown their relationship with God just go, I really want to hold on to this. But perhaps you have somebody else that you want to be in mind. I really, want, I, really, I really want to hold on to this job. It's all I have, and I just can't see any other, any other future. I'm telling you, the really, really spiritual people, they, they, they're just really grown with God. They, they've just been able to go, God, I just kind of trust you with my career. I, just, I know I want to hold on to it, and I, for some odd reason, I don't know why I thought I could do a better job in my career than you, and I, I went to school, and I did my thing, and I got my degree, but for some reason, I can't find any kind of purpose or joy or meaning in my job. So perhaps if I just handed my career over to you, hey, you, that's yours. And so some of us, when we think about getting on a better path, well, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to give up something. Um, you may have to share a car. You may have to downgrade your house. Which in this market, it may not be a downgrade. You might, that might be a come up. You never know. But you may have to not eat out as much. 
You might have to move out. You might have to break up. You might have to leave a job. I wish getting on a better path was convenient. You might have to get new friends. In fact, in my experience, most people that have ended up in a destination that they don't want to be in, usually were someone else was on that ride with them. And typically when you want to turn things around, they kind of want to keep going. So yeah, sometimes getting on a better path might mean you have to get some new relationships. But I can tell you, when you get on a better path, you have peace like you've never had before in your life. You, when you get on a better path, it's so difficult. There's so much sacrifice. There's so much surrender. It's, it's difficult. And you're taking one step. And it seems like it's taking a lot longer than you got there. But I just want you to know you're one decision from a completely different life. If you want it. If you need it. I, I think all of us should be people that essentially look at our path and really go, man. Mama knows best. Am I Am I on the wrong path? I want to end where we started, Proverbs 31, verse 2. What are you doing? What are you doing, my son? What are you doing? Where are you headed? What are you doing with your life? I mean, we, sometimes we'll say that in a common coffee conversation. What are you doing with your life? No, for real. I want to ask you this weekend. What are you doing? Where is your life headed? Are you on the right path? If you find yourself having made some poor decisions, I encourage you to start making better decisions. Just do one at a time. It might be one phone call. It might be one email. I think all of us have to wrestle that to the ground. Man, it's not where is it at? Where is it going? Because for Solomon, <laughs> he's going, hey, son, this is what mama taught me. And I didn't listen. I didn't just not listen. I not listened a thousand times. Just think about that. But again, he left the playbook for his son to go, I hope you make better decisions. I hope that you can be a Proverbs 31 person that says, you know what? When I look at the life of Solomon and I think about these thousand women, I think the one thing that he gave up was time. Time is so valuable. Time he could have been spending leveraging his resources for the community around him. And mama, that's Sheba's going. There's a better path. There's a better path where you can leverage all of that wisdom for the good of those around you. And that's a path that I think we all should be on. Father, I thank you so much for Chase Hopes. I pray, God, that you would help us stay on the right path. And perhaps for my friends who have gone down the wrong one, would you help us turn around? Would you help us make one good decision at a time. 
I realize that sometimes wisdom requires us to give up something. And God, in those moments when we feel weak, I pray that you would make us strong. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen.